0: scripture and then I'm going to have you be seated and um, I will uh, read many scriptures tonight but I'm gonna start right here uh, because I believe that in the next tonight and next Wednesday night this will be the hinge scripture this will be the hinge scripture that everything else will kind of move back and forward on this will be the for me uh, and this is, a, this is personal, I don't think this is a theological thought process here but for me, this is a, a hand scripture that a lot of uh, people overlook in the scripture but I believe it is very powerful in explanation of why we do what we do tonight I'm not teaching you about baptism I'm teaching you about biblical baptism, there's a difference there's a difference and so I want to read to you one scripture and I think that you'll feel the importance of it as I read it Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Colossians 3, 17. When you have it, just say, I got it. And whatever you do, King James Version says it like this. Whatsoever you do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do. This is what your neighbor say. Whatever you do. Whatever you do so whatever you do I mean whatever it is whatever you do in word or deed do it in the name of the lord Jesus amen may god have his blessing on this word tonight in Jesus name let it be so let it be done you may be seated amen I'll wait for you to get your pens and your pads out and start right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. I would like to say this tonight in the onset of my, my lesson and um, from for tonight, and, and I'll probably go back and say this again next Wednesday night as well because there will be, you know, different people in the room. Um tonight is not argumentative. I'm not not being argumentative, and I'm not even being apologetic. Apologetic is defense, you know, defense. I'm defending a standpoint that I'm making. Um, and, 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 And an argumentative lesson would be that I am arguing my point, and an apologetic lesson would be that I'm defending my point. This is not, this is neither argumentative or apologetic. This is Ex- explanatory, if that's a word, Explanatory. how would you say that? Thank you for my grammar help there. I am explaining, I'm not arguing, I'm not defending, I'm explaining. And uh, I want to say that because um, there may be people in the room tonight and you may say, well, I was baptized this way, my, my father, my grandfather, my, my old pastor, my... You know, and that's all fine and well. I'm not here to say that they are wrong. I'm not here to, to, to put the thumb on anybody and say, hey, you know, that person is not right. You're not right. All I would ask you to do is have an open heart and match up what you know, match up what you've been taught to the Word. And if the Word matches, great. But if the Word doesn't match, have enough open heart and open spirit to say, this man is not teaching doctrine, he's teaching Bible. He's not, he's not teaching organization, he's teaching Bible. I'm not teaching you religion, I'm teaching you Bible. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue and I'm not trying to defend, I want to explain. There's a difference. Now, this is not symposium. So I'm not going to ask everybody to say, well, what about this? What about that? So this is not a symposium. I am just explaining what the Word says. Next week, I um, I will go back a little bit in history next week, and I'll just say this to you so you can be ready for it. Next week, I'll go back in history a little ways, and I will show you that within 100 years of the death of Christ, within 100 A.D. to about 150 A.D., Nobody, nobody, there is no record of anybody baptizing in anything other than Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus. No record. The titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost do not come on the scene till well in the 200s and after the Council of Nicaea. So I'll, I'll bring all that forward next week. I'll have and, and, and all that. Um, but tonight, I'm just going to give biblical, because because when I um, I watch apologetics, I listen to that kind of stuff. I'm a nerd like that. I, I love to watch debates, and and uh, and and for me, like if I feel the spirit of the debate is wrong, I do not even watch. I hate when a, the spirit of a debate is wrong, you know? Because I, I watch people debate each other, and I listen. Um, And a lot of times I'll listen to the argument of the other side more than I listen to the argument because I know what I believe, you know, I, you know, I know where I stand, but I'll also watch the other side a lot because it explains to me how they feel about it. And I'm more concerned about a person's passion and and, and their intention than just the actual, uh, you know, verb, noun, pronoun, whatever you want to put. And I'm more like, okay, this guy has a good spirit. He's wrong but he has a good spirit. I can listen to you if you got a good spirit. You can be wrong as you want to be, but you got a good spirit, I can listen. But if you wrong and got a wrong spirit, I, I can't handle that. I also can't handle it if you're right and have a bad spirit. Can't handle that either. Now like, you right, man, but you wrong. <laughs> you know, what you're saying is right, but your spirit is wrong. You know? And you, so we, we all know somebody that's been right, but their spirit was wrong, and it just... Amen. You know, steak is good. But if you cook it down to the crispies, it ain't good. Steak is right. But you some of y'all like that well-done stuff. That's, that's, that's shoe leather. How would you eat that? It's got to be just right. Medium. In the middle. My God. When the, when the Bible said straight and narrow... When the Bible says straight and narrow, it didn't mean that God's got us hemmed in like this. That's not what it meant. If you're walking on a narrow road, if, if the road you're walking on is narrow, where's the safest place to be? In the middle. Some of y'all need to come back to the middle. There's danger too far right. You'll fall off. There's danger too far left. Right in the middle is where I want to be. I want to be right in my doctrine, right in my Bible, right in my theology, but more importantly, right in my spirit. Who can digest what I have to say if my spirit is wrong? Truth, truth, and some of y'all need to learn this, truth rides on trust. Always. And if you don't trust me, or if I can't trust you, you can speak truth to me all day long, but it's hard for me to receive truth that comes from an untrustworthy untru- source. I've heard people speak truth with so much anger. It was true. What they were saying was right on, spot on, biblically sound. True, but because the truth was spoken in anger, hatred, argumentative spirit, the truth, it never, it didn't settle anywhere. That's why, that's why the Bible tells us that when we speak the truth, and we have to speak the truth, but when we speak the truth, we speak the truth in love. Yeah. Right word, right spirit. Amen. So tonight and tomorrow, and next Wednesday night, not tomorrow night. Next Wednesday night, I will be explaining, I will not be arguing, and I will not be defending. I want to tell you what the Word says. Sometimes, I get discouraged when I listen to someone who has a doctrinal fact. I want to bring this doctrinal fact to you. I got a theological fact. And they say, now, when this guy right here, when he wrote in his book, I'm done, I'm out. If if we're going to talk about facts and Bible, let's stay in the Bible. Now, I read a lot of folks' books, and I love people's writings. But I'm not going to argue a doctrinal fact off what somebody wrote in 1718. I'm not going to argue a doctrinal fact off what a man wrote in, in 1915, 1920, 1950 i read that stuff. I appreciate the revelation they received. I appreciate what they wrote. I appreciate what they had to say. I appreciate it. But I will not take somebody to something written in the 1900s and say, "This this is what the Bible said, and try to build a religion off of something somebody wrote outside of the Bible put together. And the reason that these scriptures consist of the word of God, the, the reason that these books are together, there's more books than this. Oh, yeah. There's more books than this. You can go online right now. You can read all kinds of books. You can read the book of Josephus. You can read another book that Daniel wrote. You can read a book, a, another book of Job. But those books do not have historical link. While they are books, while they are connected, They do not have historical link enough or close enough. They were not close enough original copy to the death of Christ to put in to the complete work of the Bible. They said these works, while they hold weight, are not historically connected enough for us to make it into the word of God or make it into a Bible. So what we have is what we have. What we have. Is what we have. What we have in this Word of God, I believe that God is powerful enough, big enough, and wise enough to not give us something that is so incomplete that it would mess us up to not get into heaven. My God that I serve would not keep something hidden from me, some code. Written in some, every third word, the first letter of the second paragraph writes out this. The God that I serve doesn't work in code. He never has. I got no proof of God putting any code in anything except for the code in my DNA. His word is yea and amen, line upon line, precept upon precept. It is what it is. It's historically sound. It is the most scrutinized literature in the history of mankind. And they still can't prove it wrong. They have scrutinized it more than any book ever written. There's never been a book on this planet that has been as scrutinized as the Bible that you hold in your hand right now. And every time it comes out on the other side, victorious. Historically, geographically, artifacts, they dig, they find. The Bible says this was here, they go, it was there. The Bible says this, it was that. So what we have is what we have. And I don't think that we're all going to get a judgment day and God's going to say, well, inside the code, there was another code. And then there was another book that y'all didn't have, and because y'all didn't read this book over here, y'all can't make it in. I'm just laying some ground. Is this okay if I'm laying some groundwork right here? Because where we go next to the Scripture, you need to understand that where we're going is solid ground. And, and, and where we're going scripturally is not really up for debate. Well, I didn't say that, you know. In the book of Josephus, he said, in in this book over here, they said, this guy wrote in 1312, that what we have is what we have, and what we stand on is a sure foundation, historically sound, scrutinized by the highest levels of theology, brains, mindset, science. They put it under every microscope they can put it under, and it's still what it is. So, I've decided that I'm going to stand on it. I've decided, you know what? This is what I'm going to believe in. And I'm going to take it at its word. I'm going to do what the Bible said do. And many of you have come to me over the last six and a half years and you've said, Pastor, I really love how you teach. I really love how you explain. I really love how the church is, I love how this and that. And the reason that is, the reason you love it, is because I do my best to stay out of opinion, to stay out of organizational thought processes. I do my best to stay out of popular opinion, cultural opinion. I do my best to stay in the Bible, and the Bible is always better than men's opinion. Okay, The Bible is always easier than an organizational thought process. And so when you say, you know, I really, I really feel liberty here, I feel at this church, I feel like I'm learning more. I feel like I'm, and the only reason is because I'm teaching from the Bible and not a manual. You, the, the liberty you feel in your spirit and the growth and maturity you feel in your life Is because I'm staying in the Bible. I'm not doing anything fancy. I'm not doing nothing fancy here. Nothing fancy. I'm just staying in the Bible. I mean, what a novel idea to just preach the Bible. And when things come and I say, you know what? I really don't have any Bible for that. That's something that I'm not going to really try to bring forward. I don't have enough Bible for it. And there are some things that I'm like, you know what? That is Bible, but it's also meat. And... Truth comes in on trust, and I can't speak some truth in a room like this because everybody in this room don't trust me. got to know your place. Because all y'all looking at me right now, but all y'all don't trust me. Fine, that's great. That's something y'all don't trust either. I mean, let's just be human beings in the room. I want to come to you on the level that I can come to you and I want to give you enough word that the word does the work. And as the word does the work, you say, hey, I want to go deeper. Okay, come on this way. Hey, look, and come on this way. And come on this way. And the only disciple that stood by the cross was one dude. Because the further you get in, the the smaller the crowd gets. And there's some stuff, I'm not going to speak over this pulpit. That's not going to happen. If you feel like you need that to be saved, I got a list of churches I can give you. But there's some stuff I'm not going to preach with this pulpit. I will tell it to you over coffee at my dinner table or a Starbucks or sitting in my office across my desk and they come across this pulpit. Because the deeper you go, the smaller the crowd gets. Jesus would tell parables. Oh, this story, God over here, you know, flip-flop. And then we get along with disciples. Disciples say, Lord, tell us what this mean is. He said, come over here. They can't hear this. Come over here. Let me tell y'all. Let me tell you what this means. I'm going to break this down for you. I'm going to show you what this is. You see, everybody can't hear everything. We've been culturally programmed to think, if the pastor, if the pastor ain't preaching it hard over the pulpit, I got no Bible for that. I got culture for that. That's church culture. It ain't Bible culture. In the name of Jesus, in the name it's tight, but but I want to be I want to be right in the right setting. Baptism, listen to me. I'm I'm watching my time because I want to get into some of this tonight. But I want to lay a foundation so you know where I'm coming from here. Baptism, Holy Ghost and filling, repentance of your sin. These are Salvational. These are salvational topics. Baptism is salvational. And there's some stuff that I believe is salvational. Because he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Some of you have been pricking your hearts with convictions that didn't come over this pulpit. It came from the word. What you've experienced, what you felt. And you say, well, ooh, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really see a bunch of that. And I'll tell it to you probably one-on-one across my dinner table, across a coffee, across across a a, a hot dog or a hamburger, and we'll talk about it one-on-one. We'll say, hey, this is what the Bible says on this, what the Bible says on that. From that point on, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There's convictions in my life. There's convictions in my life that I cannot show you a scripture for in this Bible. But in me, I know I can't do that. There's things in my life that I can show you in this word. I can say, look, I'm going to take you to the scripture and show you why I don't do these things. I can take you to to the scripture and show you why I think my opinion on this is that for me, this is not what God wants from me. And if you see it in the scripture, you need to do it as well. Every time Jesus does something in the Bible, watch this, and and this is going to kind of bring it to a point here. I believe that there are some things in the word of God that are here, there, and a little everywhere because, because, because if we had a straight line on it, if it was just definite, we would make a religion out of that. This this is just a quick example. Blind Bartimaeus cries out to the Lord, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. You got to be quiet. Jesus our son of David. You gotta be quiet. Three times. Jesus our son of David, have mercy on me. You know, bring him here, bring him here. What do you need? My eyes, Lord, my eyes, my eyes. Be healed. Bam. He gets sight. If that was the only verse in the Bible where Jesus healed blinded eyes, guess what we'd do? We'd say, what you need to do is you need to yell, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me three times. And when you after you yell it three times, then your eyes will be open what we do. If that's the only proof we have. If he did that three times that's what we do. Or if the only time is when the blind man came to him in the city and he brought him outside the city and he got some dirt and he <coughs> spit in the dirt rubbed it in his eyes said go wash in the pool of shalom. Wash, come back I see men like trees <coughs> spit in the dirt, put in his eyes, go wash again I, I see clearly right now if that's the only Bible we had for blinded eyes, being open, right now, I'd have a little thing of dirt up here. It'd be like a golden chest. You, you Talk to me now. Talk to me. I'd have some dirt up here. It'd be like a little golden chest, little thing. And I'd be like, anybody blind? Come up here. I'd be. And right now, I got it, baby. These allergies, I'm ready. I'm full of it. I can hawk up one right now. I'll make everybody can see in here glaucoma, cataracts. <clears throat> I got you. Would we not do that, though? Think about us. Put a clear line on it, bam. With a clear line on it, we just we'd, we'd make, and we'd be standing on it, we've got to do this, this is what we've got to do. If the Bible said they were in the upper room for 120 days, 5 hours, 4 minutes, and 37 seconds, We'd make a religion at 120 days, five hours, four minutes, and 20 seconds. We would. Don't tell me we wouldn't. We would. If the Bible said they prayed for Peter to be released out of prison, and the church prayed for 33 minutes, we'd be saying, hey, listen, if you've got loved ones in jail, a 33-minute prayer is the way to get them out. We'd do that. So the Bible is literally, you know why? So none of us could stand on a rock and say by God this is what you've got to do you've got to have a tie on it's got to come down to your belt you got to make sure that your socks are a certain color and you've got to make sure that you don't have no zippers on your boots, now that's the devil now, zipper we would do that and we have done it in little ways we've done it consistently over time and the danger in that The danger in that is, me and you, we have to be very careful that we don't get stuck in one spot and we stay there. I believe that. I believe that. Repentance of your sin, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and being filled with the Holy Ghost is not one of those things. Let me say it again. Because I just brought a lot of y'all along and you were so happy. Repentance of your sins, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not one of those things. This is not up for debate. This is not up for argument. It's not, it's not optional with me. It shouldn't be optional with you. This is the definition. This is how everybody did it that did it. And you can argue say, well, no, 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 no. The Philippian jailer, he was a little different. No, it wasn't different. It was the same for him as it was for anybody else. You can't take a vague story and make, because the story is vague, it's vague for your argument and it's vague for my argument. Does that not, not make sense to you right there? It's a vague story. So it's vague for your argument and it's vague for my argument. I have clear stories, very clear, extremely clear, more than more than four, clear Definitions, clear signs of what they did in those moments of salvation. And so, bringing in a vague story, what you are doing, you are assuming they did not. I am assuming they did. I cannot build a religion on an assumption. You have, I haven't. I will take you to the first assumption. Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 18. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven, as they said at me, and upbraided them with their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. He was getting on to them because they had unbelief in the heart. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Watch me, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Here is the assumption. Go back to that scripture. I'll, I'll, I'll finish those. Go, just stay there for a second. Thank you. This is the assumption. The assumption is this. The assumption is, is that because he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. The assumption is, he didn't say, he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. So the assumption is, is that Jesus wasn't talking about baptism in the second part of Mark 16, 16. You are assuming that he did not mean baptism at the end of 1616. I'm assuming that he did. If my assumption is wrong, oh, well, I'm still baptized. I mean, you you know what I'm saying? If my assumption is wrong, I'm still getting in. If your assumption is wrong, you miss heaven. Because damned in the Greek means damned. There ain't a good way to say damn. There ain't a good way to put damn. Damn is damn. I don't know how you can twist that and make it okay, purgatory, you know, in the dark. I don't know. I don't want to be damned. That's all I know. I know it ain't good. So if you believe, this, and, and, and let me just di- digress here. This is not what I'm saying about baptism. This is not what Paul is saying about baptism. This is not what Peter is saying about baptism, not what Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John is saying about baptism. This is what Jesus himself is saying about baptism. If you believe and are you baptized, you shall be saved. But if you believe not, you shall be damned. Now, my assumption is that he didn't have to say baptism in the second part of 1616. Because if you don't believe, you're obviously not going to be baptized. That's my assumption. Okay? I'm just explaining. My assumption gets me in the gate either way. Your assumption leaves a huge gap that I am not willing to step into. That's a fearful gap. That's a fearful gap that you assume that he wasn't talking about baptism in 1616. At that second part of 1616. Now let me t- continue to what Jesus says. Jesus says, these signs shall follow them that believe. This is how you know this is how you know that they believe, baptized these are signs that will follow them in my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues we're going to see that all through the New Testament it's not one time, it's several times they'll take up serpents, we'll see that in New Testament too, Paul gathering sticks now Paul didn't say, hey guys Come on over here. Watch this. I got the Holy Ghost on me so, so hard, so strong, so deep. I'm going to juggle these cobras. That would be ignorance in all kinds of ways, okay? Paul was picking up sticks. There was a serpent in the that He didn't see. He didn't see that serpent. It was on. It was an accident. When he lit the fire, the serpent that was hiding in there jumped out on him, okay? Bit him. He shook it off in the fire. This is a sign that he believed and was baptized. This was a sign. He shook it off in the fire. They, the, the people on the island said, I don't know what snake that was. That's the, that three-step mamba. And one, two, three, pfft, dead. He, he gone. He gone. He gone. He gone. He dead. 30 minutes later, Paul's still walking around, gathering, the snake, talking to people. They're like, is he, is he even sick? What snake did, I, I'm telling you, it was the snake. When they they said, oh, wow, something's different about this guy. He didn't die. He said, no, ain't nothing different about me. It's because I, this is a sign that follows them that believe. The serpent came. I shook it off. It didn't harm me. They shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is why in a church service, I say almost every service, reach over Lay hands on somebody and pray with them. You know why? Some people don't like that in this church, just just FYI. Because they're like, you know, I don't believe that you should be laying, I mean, if you don't have the anointing, you ain't been, you know, the, the prelate to the prophet to the secondary. If you're in a, you know, deacon, you ain't been ordained, you should be laying hands. That's not Bible, y'all. That's cultural, not Bible. The believers, not the priests, not the prophets, not the preachers, not the teachers, not the, the high ups or whatever you want to call them, the big eyes or the little youth. The believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's you. That's how, if you believe in this room, this sign should be following you. That you can lay. That's why I say, let the gifts be in operation in the church. You see, the Bible's much easier than culture. Bible's way better than organizational thought processes. Because organization says, oh, if you ain't got the anointing, if you ain't been with the elders and they ain't laying hands on you to do the... No, he said the believers. You ain't have to be the deacon to the second power, or the third prelate of the prophet Prophet, The, the prophetess is the prophet... What? All that stuff. You can just believe. If you are baptized and believe, you shall be saved. To me, this scripture... Is enough. It's enough. Mark 16 is enough for me. If I was lost, undone, and you know what? I needed God and I, and, and I felt like, you know what? I want to make sure that I'm saved. If I felt the weight of eternity pulling on my soul and I needed to be saved, I would do everything I could do to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and go down in the water. Look at your neighbor and tell them this. Tell them, it is necessary. Man, that word right there has caused more people to trip up and be mad and and go home ill. And and I don't believe that, you know, you've got to. Yes, you've got to. This is not one of the non-negotiables. This is not, this is a non-negotiable. This is not one of the negotiables. We don't throw this in the pot and say, well, Paul was talking to... The church at the time, and at the time, the church had a cultural issue. and there was we, we can't do that with this stuff. There's some stuff I'm willing to go there with you on. Let's go there. Let's go to Colossians, and let's, let's look at some of that stuff, and let's say, hey, you know, at the time, you know, I mean, what was really going on in the church, and what was happening? Can we, you know, I, I'll go there with you. I'm going to tell you what I'm convicted about, and I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me in the Scripture. But I'll go there with you. I, I can't go there with you here. Do you have to be baptized? Does it matter? Oh, it matters. Oh, it matters. Oh, it matters. It's got to matter. You need to be baptized. It ought to be the next thing you do. I mean, you ought to just go, hey, what do I got to do to get in the water? I need to be baptized. You know why? Because I don't want to be damned. I don't want to be that guy. Well, pastor, I mean, I felt the Lord. I came down, I felt him, I felt the spirit, man. He healed me. I mean, I felt him, he healed me, and I had joy. I went home, I was so happy. I had joy, I was depressed. I came to church, and and I felt joy. And and isn't that, isn't joy, isn't happiness and, and healing, isn't that the sign of the spirit? Isn't that where it's at? In the joy of the Lord. I got joy. I came down to the altar, and I got joy. Whoa, got joy. Hatshah. I did the jerk and everything. I got joy. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody's experience because your experience is so powerful. One of the greatest preachers in Pentecost, one of the greatest preachers in Pentecost is a guy by the name of Jeff Arnold. Jeff Arnold is crazy as the day is long, but he is revelatory. Mind-blowing. If you got time, go YouTube. Jeff Allen's crazy. He'll offend you and and bring revelation in the same message. I mean, he'll just hurt your feelings. He's extremely crazy. But he's a powerful man of God. He will tell you. I've heard him say this openly, privately and openly in front of thousands of people. He He will tell you, I went to Billy Graham's crusade almost ten times. I got a card all ten times. I went to the altar. I cried. God did something in me. And he said, two days later, I'd be back drinking, smoking. I'd be back rabble-rousing. I'd be back whoring and gambling. He said, I go back. He said, and man, I would cry. Oh, God. He said, Billy Graham be teaching. Don't believe, believe, accept the Lord. He said, I'd go down there. He said, I'd accept the Lord. He said, it was real. Don't tell me it wasn't real. He said, stop picking on people that have that experience. He said, it was real. I felt God touch me. You can't, he said, I had the cards in my, he said, you know, when you do that, they give you a little card. You know, I've been saved, you stick it in your wallet. Oh, oh, I've been saved. (laughs) Tell me I've been saved. I don't know if they do that anymore, but that's kind of awkward to me. I have a Sam's card, I don't have a salvation card, okay? Tell me where I can get the salvation of God. Your experience is powerful. Never lose that experience. But he talks about going to an apostolic church for the first time. And his wife, who was raised apostolic, he didn't know, said, Baby, you need, if you really want God, we need to go to a Pentecostal church. He didn't even know she was raised Pentecostal. So he goes with her. Same thing. They preach. He's, he's like, oh, God, I need you. God hits him with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. He never looked back. What he could not get away from, the Spirit of God gave him power to walk away from. There's a difference. You Listen, you need to know this. There is a difference. I'll prove it to you. Okay? I'm not arguing and I'm not defending. I'm explaining. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I will begin in verse 5. Let me show you some things here in chapter 8 that we cannot ignore, okay? We cannot ignore these facts in chapter 8 of Acts. We cannot ignore these facts, okay? Philip went down to Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And here's what I want every apostolic, every Pentecostal in the room to get. Me and you are so fast to put people in the altar, to put people in the water and to get them speaking in tongues. We're so fast. Let me tell you this. There is no way, there is no way for us to do that properly without preaching Christ. It is Christ. And, and listen, the, the more and more I grow in, in God, the more and more he is showing me, Court, if you'll preach Christ and him crucified, I'll fill him. If you'll preach Christ and him crucified, I'll get him in the water. Christ, when, when, when Peter preached and they said, what shall we do? You know what he preached? Christ. When he preached to Cornelius' house, I'm going to get there. You know what he preached? Christ. You know what? Philip preached when he went. He didn't preach. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to speak in tongues, Speaking in tongues. He didn't preach that. He said, this Christ who was crucified for your sins, your failure, he took it on him. He was bruised for us. He was wounded for us. He died, but he rose again. He preached Christ. Me and you have got so caught up in preaching the protocol that we forgot to preach the person. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. It's not in the protocol. It's in the person. Protocol don't save them. Protocol don't get them down. The person, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. God, we'd have revival if we just preach the person. Help me, Jesus. I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm just, uh, Y'all can leave if you want to. I'm preaching to me. I got to get off the protocol and get on the person. The person's where the power is at. The name of Jesus Christ is where the power is at. I can preach protocol until I'm blue in the face. I'm a professional at protocol. God, help me to be a professional at the person. These guys never preach protocol. Not one stinking time. They preached Christ, and they preached Christ so hard the people said, what's the protocol? You see that? They preached the person so perfect. They preached the person so glamorous. They preached the person so convicting that the people said, what's the protocol? I don't care what, I'll drink a bottle of ketchup. I don't care what I got to do. Me and you, we harp on the protocol. We forget about the person. He preached Christ unto them. My God, up for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for showing me this. didn't preach denomination and you got to be apostolic you know he preached Christ he didn't preach Pentecostal he preached Christ and Christ broke their hearts Christ broke them down Christ said oh what I gotta do Christ gave them joy Christ gave them the Holy Ghost it was Christ it's always been Christ it's always gonna be Christ let's (laughs) preach Christ I feel the Holy Ghost here. Christ is going to save you, not me, not this church, not this music, not this preacher, not protocol, not position, not power, not denomination, but Christ. Christ has always been Christ. When they heard about Christ, when they heard about what he did, when they heard about how beautiful he was, when they heard about how they were so unworthy, and Christ, God himself wrote and fled, when they heard it, they said, oh God, what do we got to do Show me, I'll do anything. I'll get in the water. I'll get in the boat. I'll do anything. It don't matter. Don't matter, don't matter, don't matter. God, help us. God, help me. Help me. The next time you walk into somebody and they say, what denomination is your church? You say, you know what? I don't want to talk about my denomination. I don't even want to talk about my church. Do you know the man, Jesus Christ? Forget about Truth Chapel, my God. The Bible didn't say, me and you, our doctrine is, let them come. That wasn't Jesus' doctrine. Jesus said, go. You didn't hear that. We're saying, come on, come on, come, come to my church. Come to Truth Chapel. Come check us out. Come on, we got it going on. And I'm guilty. But that wasn't what Christ said. Christ did not say, go, bid them come. Christ said, go to them. Go to them in the coffee shop. Go to them in the Walmart checkout counter. Go to them in the break room. Go to them on your college dorm. Go to them in the high school. Go to them. He preached Christ. Watch this, and the people. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing here, and the people with one accord gave heed. Everybody, my what a what a what a revival! What a revival! Protocol will never bring revival like that. Process would never bring revival like that. You preach Christ, the whole city said, well, What do we got to do? They took heed to the things which Philip's faith, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, come on, healing, crying with a loud voice came out of many, they were possessed. And they were taken with palsies, and they that were lame were, were healed, and there was great joy. There was healing, there was joy, there was woo, there was great joy in that city. Christ is joy. I mean, he he preached Christ, and they got healed. He preached Christ, and they got healed. What a novel idea. Just preach Jesus. Philip is good at preaching Jesus. You're going to see that. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of God and to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries but they believed, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ they were baptized both men and women hold up wait a minute they were healed and they had great joy. I felt it. I went down there, and I said, God, I believe. Ooh, joy. I felt it. I felt it. And so because I felt joy, and I, I was healed, I was depressed, I came out, I was happy. I, my, my body was sore, and I, can't, I, mean, I got joy. Pain left me, and, you know, and so ooh, I got it, man. I got it. And and I'm out. No, 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 no. After they had healing and after they had joy, then they needed to be baptized. Joy, healing, excitement, emotional feeling is not the sign. It's not the crux. There is a deed to be done. The deed is baptism. He already preached the word. What did he preach the word in? He preached to them what? He preached to them concerning the kingdom of God in what? The name of Jesus Christ. That's the word. Whatsoever you, that's why I'm going back to my first scripture, the hen scripture. Whatsoever you do in word and deed. The word he preached. In the name of Jesus Christ. And so the deed. The word came in the name of Jesus. Jesus Convicted him. Jesus pushed him. He said we got to have it. So the deed now was baptism. And they were baptized. And, and, And even Simon was baptized. Even the witch was baptized. My God. The revival was so strong, even the, even the devils was getting baptized. Like, can't deny what this man's got. Even the witch was like, put me in the water. <laughs> put my broom up. I'm getting in the water, baby. And he was baptized. He continued with Philip. He wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Watch this. Uh, watch this. 14, verse 14. Now. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Peter and John are two of the busiest men on the planet. These apostles are two of the busiest men on the planet. But the church sent Peter and John. Why? Why? Why are we sending Peter and John? They've already received joy. They've already received healing. They've already been shouting around. People have been getting up out of wheelchairs. They've already had all that. And they've already been baptized. Why are you sending Peter? Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. It's a good word. Look at your neighbor and say, it is necessary. I don't want to do something that they didn't do. And I don't want to miss something that they did. They came down, they laid hands on them, they prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, watch was this, verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in what? The name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. What, what Philip preached in word, they did indeed. Makes me want to shout. They was want to grab somebody and say, can't you see it? Yeah. They had just, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Ah. You can come. Thank you. I'm careful right here to not bring in sensationalism because I'm I'm teaching. What this group of people need to understand and what maybe somebody watching tonight at some point in the future watch this, this broadcast on Facebook Live. What you need to understand is I'm not in a manual now. I'm not teaching from what I feel. I'm not teaching from my thought processes. I'm not teaching what my daddy told me. I'm not talking about what I heard my grandpa say. I'm not reading what I read in some book somewhere that some guy wrote in the 17, 18, or 1500s. What I'm giving you tonight is biblical definition, biblical historical fact of what happened. And next week, I won't have so much foundation to lay in the beginning, and I'm going to get out to a whole lot more of these obvious. We cannot turn our face to this. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, well, I, you know, my my preacher, my, my teacher, you know, I, I heard somebody say, that's all fine. And, and again, I'm not taking away anybody's experience. I know people in this room that have went down in different ways. I know there's people in this room that stood in different denominations, different pulpits, different, different altars and lifted their hands and received such a touch from the Lord. But I'm showing you biblically that the Lord can touch you and you still have a deed to do. You say, I'm not saved by works. Absolutely not. I'm not saved by my works at all. I'm saved by the works of another. Yeah. I am saved by works. His works. He went to the cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again with all power. And you know what he wants from me? He wants me to go through that same cross, lose myself at it, pour my sins on that cross, take my sins off of me, and put it on him. That's called repentance. God, I'm so sorry. Me and you are so quick to get people in the water. God, help me, forgive me. We're so quick to get people in the water. They're not sorry for nothing. Heaven repented. Heaven said, God, forgive me. God, help us. I don't want you to get in that water if you're not ready to ask God to forgive you of something. Because that's the tomb. I'm buried with him in baptism. I'm going to get to that too. That's in the Bible. It's not me. I'm not making that up. I'm not saying buried with me in baptism because the bees sound cool together. That's Bible. I'm buried with him. He wants me to go to that cross. I don't have to die on that cross. I just take my sins off and give it to the cross. You see, I'm saved by his works. I go to that same tomb. I don't have to get in that tomb. They don't have to roll that stone on me. No, no, no. I'm just buried with him. He already went to that tomb. He did all that for me. I don't have, but I got to go by it. Are you hearing me? He wants me to go to that same tomb. And I don't have to actually get in it like he did. Let's go to it. And I'm buried with him in baptism. And I'm raised to life. And unlike the cross where I didn't have to feel the nails. And unlike the tomb where I didn't have to see the daylight closing my eyes. New life. Is the power that I walk in. I am saved by works, his works. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he did not stay there, but he got up, and that tomb was rolled away, and that risen Savior walked among us and talked among us and was transcended into heaven where he stands now in the presence of an almighty God, the lamb, the man. Hebrew says he stands now continually as an advocate between me and the Father. So everything I do in word and deed, I got to do in the name of the lamb that was slain for me. I'm doing it in the name of it has got to be a name. It's always been Christ. You need to be baptized. I'm not saying this to add numbers to this church. I'm not saying this to put numbers on the roll. Absolutely not. God, help me and forgive me if any of that is in my spirit. I pray, God, remove it if it is. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to be damned. I want you to be able to say, I went to that church, and that preacher preached truth. He did not argue it, and he did not apologize for it. He did not argue it, he did not defend it. He just showed it to me, straight from the scripture. He didn't put his twist on it. He didn't try to say, well, my denomination says this. And this man of God said, no, I write from the word. I showed you what they did. That's what they did. And it convicted me. And I said, I need this Christ. And the person convicted me so much that I asked, what's the protocol? Go to that cross. That blood is still flowing. Go to that tomb. Trust me, the stone is still rolled away. And be risen to life again. Behold all things. Are passed away. And all things become new. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.